Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.54 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 26th day of May, 2023, and <clears throat> this is episode 735 of Bitcoin. And I'd like to tell you about maple syrup from my friend Bisnerds at Bisnerds. That's B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S. His Noster in pub will be in the show notes. If you've never tried handmade syrup at a small scale, I can't recommend this stuff enough. He has a couple of different grades. Why? Because he doesn't blend. What is, what's the grade? It depends on when he gets the sap out of the trees. What time of year? Is it the, is it the first sap that he's getting? Is it mid-season of the sap run? Is it the late season of the sap run? He doesn't boil it all down, you know, in, in different batches and then blends it all together so that he can get the most out of it. No, 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 no. He has like three, possibly four different grades, right? He got the light maple syrup, which is the most awesome, beautiful. It's a beautiful color. It's got a great taste. You know it's handmade. He goes all the way down to where there's heavier maple notes in his cooking syrup. And this is what you might slather on a piece of salmon to bake or or possibly put on the grill on a cedar plank because cedar plank salmon yeah, it, <clears throat> you might think of it as a fad, but it's not. There's a reason why people talk about cedar plank salmon. It's delicious. And with this stuff on it, oh my God, you can use it as coffee sweetener too. And it completely explodes the flavor. Get the get the good stuff, right? Stop getting your crap over it at Walmart or whatever, because chances are good that's not even real maple syrup. You You got to look nowadays. Maple flavors flavor chemistry. This is a guy <clears throat> who taps hundreds of maple trees by hand. He boils down 8,000 gallons of sap to make 140 gallons in a year. He does it over wood. He does it the old-fashioned way. You're never, ever, ever going to find something like this in the store. Again, his NPUB will be in the show notes Please order from my friend. Also, if you want to pick up the best soap in the world, his sister Sarah makes the best soap that I've ever used. Next up, hey, do you want, do you want some comfrey? We'll get it from at Shishi on Noster. Uh, sometimes it's like Shishi21M. Uh, if you want to email him, which is slightly slower, it's Shishi, S-H-I-S-H-I, the number's 21, the letter M, at protonmail.com. He has both Bocking 14 and Bocking 4 varieties. You want this plant. You really do want this plant. Why do you want this plant? 
You want this plant because it's a magic plant. It has many uses and benefits, and these are just some of them. Medicinal. Comfrey has been used for wound healing, reducing inflammation, and relieving pain associated with arthritis and muscle aches. It does biomass production. <clears throat> it rapidly produces abundant plant material, which then can be used as mulch or added to compost. It's a bioaccumulator. Comfrey's deep roots bring up nutrients from deeper soil layers, and it leaves and its leaves are rich in minerals like nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, benefiting nearby plants when used as mulch. As such, mulch, comfrey's leaves, can be used as a protective layer on the soil surface, suppressing weeds, conserving moisture, and providing nutrients as they decompose. You can compost it. Its high nitrogen content makes it valuable for composting, but it should be balanced. Yeah, this note needs to be balanced with carbon-rich materials like brown leaves and such to prevent odor and nutrient loss. You can also make a liquid fertilizer out of it because its chopped leaves can be soaked in water to create a potent liquid fertilizer known as comfrey tea, which can be diluted and used for plant fertilization. Get your comfrey from at Shishi, and his NPUB will also be in the show notes. Don't miss out on this plant because this plant is perennial. It comes up every year. It produces mass, and I mean, when I mean mass, I'm talking like barrels of the stuff depending on how many plants you have you can cut this thing down five times a year where i lived in in canyon texas and usda zone six i was harvesting this thing like seven times a year just wheelbarrows full of this stuff and you can do all this magic with it it's once you plant it it's free every year so one full root for $20. You can probably get 10 to 20 cuttings out of that, or you can buy root cuttings from Shishi at a buck each. You pay the shipping. It's at Shishi21M at protonmail.com, or you can just go to Noster and use the NPUB that I will be inserting into the show notes. Are you ready? Are you ready for the news? I'm not. I actually have to get my damn browser up here. All right, where are we going with this? All right, Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Bitcoin payments app bottle pay to shut down services. If I remember right, this will be the second time that bottle pay has shut down. Not certain about that. Let's see if BTC Casey from Bitcoin Magazine tells us more. Bottle pay, a popular consumer app for Bitcoin transactions, has announced its closure on Monday, the tw July the 24th, 2023, leaving users with the task of withdrawing their funds. If you're using bottle pay, you need to get your stuff off. The company stated that all accounts will be closed and users are urged to withdraw their funds either as Bitcoin or fiat currency from the Bottle Pay app before that closure date of July 24th. That's coming up. That's, dude, that midsummer. Failure to withdraw funds by the closure date will result in Bitcoin being converted to fiat currency and returned to the nominated bank account, while any fiat left in the account will be returned to the nominated bank account as well. In a statement, Bottle Pay advised users to utilize the app's download feature to save transaction statements before the closure date. The company emphasized that Bitcoin transactions can have tax implications, making the download information valuable for future reference. As the closure date approaches, Bottle Pay may contact users who still have Bitcoin or fiat currency in their accounts, either through the app or via email. However, the company cautioned users to be aware 
of potential scams and never initiate an offboarding process outside of the application. Regarding the next steps, <clears throat> users are advised to download their transaction history and close their bottle pay accounts. Instructions on how to withdraw funds from Bitcoin and fiat accounts, accounts as well as how to download transaction history and close accounts can be found on the app. In a closing note, Bottle Pay expressed gratitude to its customers and apologized for the inconvenience caused by the closure. While the company refrained from making specific recommendations about what to do with Bitcoin funds, users were encouraged to exercise due diligence when selecting alternative custodial wallets or converting Bitcoin to fiat currency. The Financial Conduct Authority Register can be consulted for information on other FCA registered crypto asset businesses operating in the United Kingdom. I used to use Bottle Pay way back in the day. So I think this is the way that it worked. Bottle Pay came out a few years ago. It's actually, I want to say like, I want to say four or five years ago. And it was great. People could just tip you on Twitter using if you had bottle pay set up. It was it was awesome. It was great. It it was I mean there were it, there was no lights, whistles, and bells. It was an awesome app. And then shit hit the fan and they had to close down. This is from memory. So if I'm wrong about this, please correct me as a boostagram. They shut down, at least in the United States. I think they shut down the entire thing and then they reopened only in the United Kingdom kingdom because the reason that they had to shut down is there was some hey you're doing this internationally you don't have proper licensure this is when all this stuff started to bubble up to the surface when this is when the regulators started getting their panties into a snit and then they reopened but united states users were not allowed to use them or at least i wasn't ever able to get back into my bottle pay stuff because they were like dude your your ip address nope sorry you're in the united states can't do it so you know uh, hence VPN. But be that as it may, it looks like they are shutting down for good. This is a cautionary tale because generally speaking, what happens is we, we always say this, it's a meme, right? We build in the bear markets. Y yeah, infrastructure is kind of built in the bear markets and a lot of stuff about Bitcoin Core and, and Lightning Network infrastructure, you know, the, the rails and whatnot like that are built. But what I've noticed <clears throat> is that companies and um, I don't know, like uh, people that have had ideas to do some X at one point or another, start riding the ramp up in the beginning of the bull market. They keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. And then they what? Take out a loan against their Bitcoin. Not at the top, maybe somewhere around half to three quarters on the way up of that ride. And they build their stuff and it's great. It's awesome. And then we get into the slide down on the other side of the bull peak. And then they slide down even further and even further until all of a sudden there's just no revenue and they've got loans. And I don't know if this is what bottle pay did. This is just, I'm just saying that the cautionary tale here is if you've got a great idea, figure out how to build it right now if you're going to do something and it's going to cost you some money figure out the financing right now don't go well you know when the next bull run that's when we're going to borrow against the bitcoin uh taking a loan out with whoever <clears throat> and we're going to build this thing it's going to be great 
Yeah, watch out. Okay, watch out. If you can build your thing, whatever your thing is, and you can build it right freaking now with the money that you have right now, this is when this will give you the most protection against the slide on the downside of the next bull run, whenever the hell that is. Just keep that shit in mind. Don't be the people that borrow against your Bitcoin at the very tippy top of the next bull run and then figure out that you're going to get liquidated when you're 50% down on that. That's when you'll have to close your company. Just saying. EU regulator urges crypto firms to disclose regulatory status of products. Gee, I wonder if this had anything to do with Bottle Pay's decision. Ezra Reguera has it for Cointelegraph. The European Union's financial watchdog has issued a statement reminding investment firms to make sure that their clients are aware of the regulatory status of the products that they are offering. In an announcement, the European Securities and Market Authority highlighted crypto assets and reminded companies that while regulation is on the way, crypto will remain unregulated in most jurisdictions. The ESMA stated, quote, specifically on crypto assets, while the market in crypto asset regulation or MICA is close to adoption, crypto assets offered by investment firms will continue to be unregulated in most jurisdictions until MICA applies, end quote. The ESMA expressed concerns over unregulated products and service offerings. According to the regulator, these carry prudential and investor protection risks. In addition, the financial watchdog believes that it's possible for clients to be misled as to the level of protection that they get. To mitigate such risks, the ESMA recommended that investment firms take measures to ensure their clients know the regulatory status of the products that they are investing in. The regulator also advised firms to clearly inform clients when regulatory protections do not apply to their products or services. And in addition, the ESMA urged investment firms to consider the impact of unregulated activities on their businesses when devising risk management policies and systems. Meanwhile, crypto firms are starting to establish a presence in Ireland to expand their businesses in Europe. On May the 25th, crypto firm Gemini chose Ireland as its European base. We'll get into more of that in a minute. Apart from Gemini, crypto exchange Kraken has also started preparations to expand operations in Europe. Ooh. U.S. is kind of losing here, guys. <laughs> On April the 18th, the subsidiary of the exchange based in Dublin was given a virtual asset service provider authorization by the country's central bank. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Where's that? I've got it somewhere. I'm gonna have to trade a. Uh, I'm gonna have to trade a. Where is it? Do I not have it? I get. Uh, maybe I don't have it. I guess I don't. Oh well. I, had a, I thought I had a story about Gemini going to Ireland, but whatever. We'll, we'll find out. <clears throat> Tabs, baby. Tabs in the browser kind of suck. Anyway, now, what have I told you about DCG, the Digital Currency Group? It's, in my opinion, pretty much the very last domino to fall and in the storm that was started by the Terra Luna, Celsius, all that whole thing, we're still in the storm. Bottle Pay just said Sayonara, and we've got a story about somebody else saying Sayonara, and this is it. DCG sunsets trade execution in prime brokerage unit trade block. Coindesk 
Stephen Alfer and Ayan Ashraf is writing this one. Digital Currency Group, the parent company of Coindesk, is closing down its trade execution and prime brokerage services unit, TradeBlock, citing crypto winter and regulatory uncertainties. The shutdown of the unit, which provides trading services to institutional investors, will be effective as of the end of this month. Holy shit, that's like May the 31st. A DCG spokesperson told Coindesk in an emailed statement, quote, Due to the state of the broader economy and prolonged crypto winter, along with the challenging regulatory environment for digital assets in the United States, we've made the decision to sunset the institutional trading platform side of the business known as TradeBlock, effective May 31, 2023, the spokesperson said. TradeBlock was acquired by 2020 in 2020 by Coindesk and was later spun out on its own standalone business. Coindesk kept the index data business from the acquisition, which was rebranded as Coindesk Indices, which has proven to be a successful acquisition, the spokesperson said. The move comes as the giant crypto conglomerate found itself in a difficult market environment after its subsidiary, Genesis Global Hold Co., filed for bankruptcy this year. Earlier this month, DCG missed a $630 million debt payment owed to Genesis while its CFO resigned back in April. God, this thing's going south like a duck in winter. DCG reported a loss of $1.1 billion in 2022 as it suffered the effects of the crypto bear market and ended the year with just $262 million in cash. However, the firm saw a better first quarter this year as its revenue rose 63% from the previous quarter during uh, previous quarter due to soaring crypto prices. DCG also projected based on the first quarter's performance that it's headed toward 2023 revenue and EBITDA of about 620 million and about 140 million dollars respectively in excluding the Genesis business which remains in chapter 11. This doesn't bode well for DCG. It's just another piece of their little pie that's just crumbling around them. I, I, I can't stress this enough. If there is anything you have to do with a DCG product or service, you need to punch out. You've got to do it. If you don't know if your product or service is has something to do with DCG, you need to go find out. I don't think DCG survives the rest of this year. As a group, as a group, I mean like all their companies, uh, Genesis, uh, the Grayscale Trust companies, like the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, Grayscale Ethereum Trust, Grayscale Shitcoin, you name them trust. I think it all goes away. And I don't, I don't think it makes it to Christmas of this year. You know, Barry really dug himself a deep, deep, deep ass hole. And again, the cautionary tale is what? If you're going to build something that you think is spectacular, figure out how to do it in times like today, where you've got depressed Bitcoin prices. And that's the problem, is we allow the price of Bitcoin to determine our outlook on life. If you're a solid, hardcore Bitcoiner, you're attached at the hip to what Bitcoin's doing, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. Right, we, let's just be honest with ourselves here. Even we can't stop thinking in U.S. dollar terms. 
Yeah, we can say one Satoshi equals one Satoshi all day long. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. We can say that all week long. It does not matter. You were steeped as a tea bag in the liquid that is the legacy financial system. It will be impossible for us, even probably all the way up until the day of our deathbed throws, that we can stop thinking in fiat terms when it comes to Bitcoin or anything else. What's the cost of that two by four? Well, that thing's $15. And then you go down to Costa Rica, which is heavily dollarized. What's a cup of coffee? It's a buck 50. It's, this carries with it the relationship between Bitcoin and its quote unquote value in US dollar terms. And when the price gets depressed, so do the Bitcoiners. And nobody has any energy to build that spectacular thing. But the energy levels in your body and in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, it all rises up during the bull market. And then all of a sudden you've got the energy to execute, but that's the wrong fucking time to execute. The right time to execute is right now. <laughs> While if you can figure out how to do it on a shoestring budget and bootstrap anything that you can together at the lowest Bitcoin prices of a cycle, I believe that that is when you do it. So take that however you want to take it and let's move on <clears throat> to tax attacks. They won't kill Bitcoin. Regulators must learn to accept new technology. Bitcoin Magazine opinion piece by Connor Shep Shepenick, I think is how you pronounce it. Congressman Brad Sherman's recent tweet. Attacking Bitcoiners as tax evaders is a prime example of how Bitcoin has become a mainstream phenomena. It's ironic that politicians like Sherman, who have sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution and the presumption of innocence, are so quick to label Bitcoin supporters as criminals without, you know, a scrap of evidence. <clears throat> Such remarks undermine the fundamental principles of justice and fairness that underpin our legal system. The fact that politicians like Sherman are attacking Bitcoin serves as a signal to those on the fence that there may be something to this freedom money that is constantly under attack by those who are corrupt and compromised by legacy systems. In a way, even those who attack Bitcoin may be unwittingly working for its success and adoption. And clearly, politicians are expecting Bitcoiners to shoulder some kind of tax burden that they do not impose upon anybody else. Imagine if a politician tried to tax people for using computational power to do math or use English to express their views. They would be ridiculed and mocked because, on top of that being an insane policy, both of these subjects are essential to a functional society. Instead of imposing arbitrary taxes, the government should focus on creating a regulatory environment that supports innovation and economic growth. Unfortunately, in opposition to that seemingly obvious edict, the Biden administration has proposed a 30% tax on Bitcoin mining, which is not only unfair, but also hypocritical to the values that make the United States great. If a market participant has paid for their energy, they should be free to use it as they wish. So why is Bitcoin mining being targeted when other industries such as pornography, video games, or gambling also use energy to allow people to indulge in their vices online. I'm not vying for a tax on other industries. I firmly believe that if a market participant has paid for their energy, they can do whatever they want with it. My intent is to point out that this proposal seems to be a clear example of government overreach and intervention in the private sector. Yeah, I'm going to add the word hypocrisy. I can spell it, can you? 
it's not just Bitcoin mining that's being targeted. It's the entire Bitcoin network. When new and innovative ideas challenge the status quo, both humans and technology can exhibit resistance or embrace the change. Technology mimics many things about human biology, including the way we respond to change. Established industries or entities may resist new technologies to protect their own interests, just like how our immune system responds to foreign pathogens to protect our body. However, just as humans can adopt, adapt to changing environments, technology can also evolve and adapt to better serve our needs. People can either fight against Bitcoin or embrace it, but either way, this technology is changing the world and rapidly. It's important to remember that new technology, including Bitcoin, is not inherently bad, but rather a tool that can be used for both good and bad purposes. Instead of fighting against progress, we should embrace the opportunities that new technology provides and work together to shape a better future. Sherman's tweet may not win him any votes, but it shows his lack of understanding and respect for the rights of his constituary. The comparison between a technology network and human biology may seem unconventional. No, no, it's not at all. But it provides valuable insights into the evolution and growth of new technologies like Bitcoin. Kevin Kelly's book, What Technology Wants, highlights the importance of this. There are three quotes that really stand out. One, technologies do not exist in isolation, but rather in networks that amplify their power and reach. Two, Innovation is a team sport, and the best innovations are produced by networks of people working together. And three, the more interconnected our technologies become, the more emergent properties they exhibit and the harder they are to predict or control. Technology <clears throat> is always evolving based on human needs. It starts with a small idea and then grows into something larger, eh, larger than anyone could ever have imagined. This evolution is not always linear, as new technologies often emerge from existing technologies. These networks grow exponentially faster as new technologies enable stuff we never thought possible. FaceTime would seem magical to someone 100 years ago in the same way that a medical device that can regenerate limbs for people would seem magical in the modern day. I assume that type of technology will come someday, and with it many more innovations that I could never have hoped to imagine until I see them. But just like humans, technology has its own set of rules and laws. We have to follow these rules to make the most out of a technology's potential. Imagine if someone called a conference about TCPIP, a quote, conference for gang members. It would seem ridiculous, especially from a politician who should be encouraging innovation in their very district. Attacking people because they enjoy using a protocol is insane. However, if your job was dedicated to maintaining legacy technology and adopting new technology could make you irrelevant, I suppose you wouldn't react favorably toward the new technology either. Yeah, go talk to a buggy whip maker in the you know early 1900s. In the end, <clears throat> we are all part of the network of technology, whether we like it or not. We must embrace the evolution of technology and understand its potential to shape the world for the better. We are at the beginning of all the things that will be built on these new protocols. So it is up to us to harness their power and make the most out of the potential. I can't say I know for a fact that Bitcoin is going well above $1 million, but I think it's pretty damn possible in that as more network effects get added, both in meat space and cyberspace, the more likely it becomes. Quote, when zero reached Europe roughly 300 years later in the high Middle Ages, it was met with strong ideological 
resistance. Facing oppositions from users of the well-established Roman numeral system, zero struggled to gain ground in Europe, according to Robert Breedlove and the number zero and Bitcoin. Now, the idea of not using zero in math is a non-starter. It seems highly likely Bitcoin will have a similar fate as zero, and the idea of not using Bitcoin and all the things built on top of it will be preposterous. Just look at Nostra, for example. There is no way the protocol would have thrived if it had not been for both Bitcoin and Bitcoiners bringing so much value onto the network. I believe a similar effect will take place for more innovations around the world, whether regulators understand Bitcoin or not. Yeah, this whole that whole concept of zero is is kind of is kind of odd. Uh, zero came from oh, let's call it the Middle East, right? I'm not exactly. I, I I keep wanting to say Egypt, but I'm I don't know if that's right. In either event, somebody other than Europeans came up with the concept of zero, and when zero started making its world tour as an idea it was shunned by people who didn't understand the concept and you say what you want about robert breedlove injecting that into how we look at technologies the history of how technologies were adopted and what we're witnessing in the present as new technologies are being adopted look at ai look at bitcoin look at all of it it's the same thing This is preposterous. Nobody's going to use this. Oh, yeah? That's what they said about the concept of zero. That's what they said probably about the concept of somebody who was able to reproduce fire. All right, think about that. It's like, oh, my God, he can act. Could you, can you imagine the guy that first figured out how to actually make fire? Not the guy that kept the fire burning all the time because they had to go out and find it. If you haven't ever seen the uh, movie, uh, oh, what was the name of that movie? In Search of Fire or something like that, it was basically pre, you know, not well, prehistoric man before man became Homo sapien sapien. Um, the Search for Fire, I think, is the name of it. Uh, it was in the 80s, it was a big deal back in the 80s, but essentially they had to go find fire. So, what they would do is they'd look for lightning strikes in the woods and then they'd set out and see if that thing was still burning. And then if it was, they would figure out a way to bring hot coals back to where they lived and they would have a fire tender. Well, think about the first guy that was able to figure out how to make fire, not go out, find it and keep it burning, but to actually start with nothing but wood and some other materials and be able to start a fire. Do you think he was welcomed in the tribe? Or her, for that matter? It doesn't really matter. Do you think that that person was welcome in the tribe? How far back does our fear of witchcraft actually go? Bitcoin can definitely be considered witchcraft by somebody like Brad Sherman, Elizabeth Warren, and they are acting like that that's exactly what they think of it is, that they think of it as witchcraft and they want witch trials. And get welcome to Bitcoin, motherfucker. <laughs> have, have fun. Hookers are on the left, beers on the right. There's a table full of drugs down the middle of the room. Dude, you live, get it going on. Meanwhile, Visa, Microsoft, and others join 
The Brazilian CBDC pilot. If you thought Visa and Microsoft were your friends, you are wrong. David Atlee, Cointelegraph, both national and global companies will participate in the upcoming Brazilian CBDC pilot project. Banco Central do Brasil, the country's central bank, will beginning add, begin adding participants to the digital real platform. Uh, uh, sorry, the digital real platform around the middle of June 2023. On May the 24th, yesterday, the central bank published the final list of pilot participants. Participants were chosen from a pool of 36 bids. Oh my God, you had to make a bid to be part of this junk? Anyway, 36 bids made by single companies and consortia, totaling more than 100 institutions. The final number of participants is 14. However, some represent groups of companies. For example, the United States-based tech giant Microsoft, Brazil-based bank Banco Inter, and the digital technology company Sevencom? Oh, Jesus. Sevencom comprise one of the 14 participants. Among other participants are Visa, Santander, and several Brazilian banking institutions such as Itaú, Unibanco, BTG Pactual and Banco Bradesco. In the current phase of the Digital Real pilot, the central bank will test the privacy and programmability functionalities of its platform through a single use case, a delivery versus payment protocol for federal public securities. The Brazilian CBDC pilot was officially announced back in 2022. The value of a digital real would be pegged against the national fiat currency, the real. It would have a fixed supply and be minted over time, bullshit. With a population of 214 million people, the largest country in Latin America remains a location of attraction for global crypto companies. In January, Binance and MasterCard teamed up to launch a prepaid crypto card in the country. Since March, Coinbase has partnered with the local payment providers to offer crypto purchases and enable deposits and withdrawals in the local currency. And on May the 19th, the central bank granted LATAM Gateway, a payment provider for Binance in Brazil, a license to operate as a payment institution and electronic money user. So the, the virus that is CBDC is racing the virus that is Bitcoin. Also the virus that is freedom because none of this tech the CBDC tech is they, they don't give a shit about their, their people. They want, they just want control and they see their shot at gaining even more control. I believe that they're going to fail. I think the, the world's population has had enough. I think there will be pockets of populations that will fall under the spell of this kind of crap. But I think on the whole, this is why I look to, this is why I look to especially the smaller countries in Latin America and Africa, not the most populated ones. Everybody wants to flock to the cities. And what I mean, that sort of analogy, instead of going to El Salvador or instead of going to Nicaragua or Honduras, for God's sakes, or, or Chile, no, 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 no. We want the most populated. We want the most people. We, that's the thinking here. They want the most bang for the buck. But they live in this world that doesn't exist anymore. You don't need to be physically located in the most populated place to be able to gain access to goods and services and employment. We live in a digital culture. It's digital. You don't need to do that shit anymore. And they just don't wrap their heads around it. Therefore, that gives us what? That gives us the advantage. It's the small countries one by one 
El Salvador, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Chile, hopefully Argentina, but Argentina is a little big for its britches. We still want to be in Brazil. Don't get me wrong. Doesn't mean vacate Brazil. It just means that while those guys are focusing on the most populated countries, i.e. moving into the big cities of the world, we need to be look, setting our sights and be laser beam focused on the small countries of the world. Because if you gather them all up, it makes the populations of quote unquote the big cities, I don't know, look like a decaying rural American town of which there are plenty. Let's run the numbers though. West Texas Intermediate crude after yesterday's shellacking is up 1.11% to $72.63. Brent North Sea likewise up three quarters of a point to 76.85. Natural gas, however, is still doing its thing. It's down four points to $2.21 per thousand. Gasoline is up over half a point back up to $2.68 a gallon. All of your shiny metal rocks are doing very well. And that's just, that's turned over the last 30 minutes. Because when I was first looking at this, when I was setting up the show, only everything seemed to be in the red. But gold is doing okay, 0.12% to the upside, $1,946. Silver is up 2.16. Platinum is up 0.8. Copper is up 2.5%. Palladium is up 1.11%. Lumber is down a third of a point. And the biggest loser overall in agricultural stuff is going to be what? Looks like coffee. Down two-thirds of a point. Biggest winner in ag today is going to be corn. Yay, corn. Almost two. Nope, it just flipped. 2.5% to the upside for your good friend, sugar. Yes, the inflammatory king of them all. Live cattle up 0.12%, lean hogs crashing two and a quarter percent, feeder cattle down a quarter of a point. Dow is up almost a full point. S&P is up 1.18, NASDAQ is up 2.33, and the S&P mini is up 0.8. Why? Because they're signaling that there is a deal to increase the debt ceiling. Yes, that's right. That's right. And you know what we'll find out later on today? There is no deal. Of course, that'll happen after, you know, markets close and then the, the rampage will happen in what? Monday morning. Yes, because we're going into the weekend. So we might as well go into the weekend strong so that all of the news agencies can talk about how well the economy is doing. And we're about to reach a deal on the debt ceiling. And then Sunday, right around two o'clock in the afternoon, probably central time in the United States, meh. And then Monday hits and it'll be a bad day for everybody. Do I know that for a fact? No, I do not. But I also don't care because $26,759 of a Bitcoin price represents a relative increase in the shellacking that Bitcoin took yesterday as well. Uh, That is after 369,000 BTC have changed hands. Uh, Average transaction value 0.7 BTC, median transaction value $55.41. Block times are still low, nine minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, Two thirds of Bitcoin being taken for fees on every block and 101 BTC taken in fees 
overall in the last 24 hours with a 14% rise in hash rate. We are up to 393 exahashes per second. So Udi's little thing is is they're meant to, they're getting those blocks in and, and the bullshit transactions are being processed faster than they have been as of late. Now we have a $512.5 billion market cap. That is 3.89% of gold's market cap. Money supply for Bitcoin is 19,384,000. No, sorry. 19,384,218.21 BTC is in circulation and 5,341.7 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $141.2 million. 71,529 payment channels that we can see and 63.1% of all that traffic is being handled over Tor. And we are looking at a 1.4% estimated difficulty change coming May the 31st, 2023. And what do we have? Oh God, they're putting even more bullshit transactions in. Uh, 238 blocks carrying 319,000 unconfirmed transactions are waiting to clear. Uh, low priority fees are 43 Satoshis per V-byte. High priority fees are 59 Satoshis per V-byte. So a pretty good compression there. I am now number five on the big, <clears throat> sorry, Bitcoin, on the Fountain app charts. It's good for discovery. It really is. It's, it's just good for discovery. I already saw a bump in listenership because I'm still in the top 10 and I think the higher you get up to the number one spot, uh, the more the more reach you get. I don't know exactly how these metrics work uh, because everything seems to be a black box when it comes to metrics, especially if it's a third-party site, but it is what it is. And I have nothing, no one but you to thank for it. Number five, Boostagrams incoming. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, thanks for being the best daily Bitcoin podcast. No, thank you, dude. Dubravko with a thousand sats says, per the fentanyl article, please, somebody think of the children. Also, they should take BTC for drugs. Solid technique. Yeah. Yeah, well, if, if drug dealers don't take your money, then you're not giving them money. Same thing with hookers. I'm sorry, but this is just the way the shit is. Yegro with 734 Satoshi says, your show is the first podcast I look for when I open my fountain app. So yes, I find it valuable. Keep on keeping on. Also, if you want to shout out my relay again, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> LOL, no pressure. Uh, Yegro.site. That's Y-E-G-H-R-O dot site. S-I-T-E. Yegro.site. Y-E-G-H-R-O. That's his relay. It's a Nostra relay. Go use it. All right, just just go to yegro.site and do the thing. Sign up. I think I I think it's paid. So give them satoshis. I mean, give me satoshis. Give us all satoshis. A circular economy needs to come quicker than anybody can even possibly imagine. And God's death with 370 says, "Thank you again, sir. I can't wait for the orb to suck my soul from my eyes." Reminds me of Phantasm. Dude, have you seen the movie Phantasm? It was 1970s. I think it was like the mid-1970s at the time. The scariest movie on the planet. And it had an orb that had knives on it. And it chased you around. And if you let it catch you, it'd drill into your head and cavitate your entire brain. It was just, oh. And this is 1970s. 
And now I watch the movie and I'm like, I, I can't believe I was scared of that. You see how shit changes because of technology? You see it? That was, there was, that was all, their special effects were all basically what you could film. If you couldn't film the special effect with film, you weren't getting a special effect in the 1970s. Well, that's not entirely true because that was around the time that Star Wars came out. And this was the first time that we had what was called the matting technique. But Phantasm came kind of before that. And it was George Lucas that invented the matting technique, which allowed them to take, you know, film of uh, starships around a green screen and then blot out the green screen and put it like a star field back there or a picture of a planet or whatever it was that they were doing. Phantasm, yeah, they didn't have, they didn't have that. They just didn't. Pies says, another excellent show with great takes and valuable information. Thank you. Mark, the BTC guy with 100 says, terrific show, guys. Enjoyed, which I have to say, and I wrote him back. I said, I'm a solo act over here. Gets kind of lonely, but at least nobody tells me what to do. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, I'm a solo act. I record, I do the art, I set up the show, I post, pre-produce it, produce it, post-produce it, you name it. If it's part of the show, I did it, okay? But the only way that I can reach out and get the show into people's into more people's ears is by you guys because I, I just don't do marketing well. I, I really suck at it. And marketing is an art. I'm just going to say it. It's an art. And it becomes even a more critical art when you're trying to do it not only effectively, but ethically. Because I don't want to lie to people. And marketing people have a tendency to lie. They just do. Sorry. But that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Panic. Panicking. There's panic over $1.5 billion DeFi bridge multi-chain shifts to phantom. That's like the worst written headline I've ever seen, but it's from Decrypt and it's written by Pedro Salimano. Let's find out what that actually means. <clears throat> the crisis continues for blockchain bridge multi-chain. Rumors have been swirling since yesterday morning that Chinese authorities have arrested multi-chain team members and that law enforcement now has control of a wallet containing upwards of $1.6 billion U.S., according to several Twitter accounts. Whether the arrest happened or why remains unclear, although it has forced companies to act. Binance has stepped in to address the situation, suspending withdrawals for several of the bridge's tokens. The world's largest crypto exchange said it will await clarity from the multi-chain team. Multi-chain is one of the largest blockchain bridges in crypto, facilitating the exchange of tokens across multiple networks. It allows for ecosystems such as Binance Chain, Avalanche, Polygon, and Ethereum to interact with one another. As of this writing, it has $1.5 billion of total value locked, according to DeFi Llama. For most of yesterday and today, the multi-chain official social media account has been silent. Chinese authorities have provided no information on the matter, though it's worth pointing out that the, de that the details have mostly been shared on Chinese language platforms and have been slow to make it to English language outlets. Now, Phantom, a smart contract supporting blockchain powered by 
its native FTM token has become one area of concern. 35% of its assets are issued by multi-chain, including 80% of its total stable coin market cap, according to research firm Thanafield Capital. The Phantom team hasn't said much about multi-chain on social media, except for a brief tweet yesterday stating that the bridge was operating as normal. The team did not immediately reply to a request for comment, of course. Phantom Foundation Director Andre Cronje. Oh, for fuck's sake, Andre Cronje. This is sushi, this is the sushi swap guy. In case you did not know, yeah, Andre Cronje is the sushi swap guy. Uh, unless I'm just horribly mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's sushi swap. So, yeah, great. <clears throat> Andre Cronje told the block that the team withdrew 2.4 million dollars worth of multi tokens from sushi swap yesterday because no point uh, to L what because quote no point to LP at times of uncertainty in quote. Don't know what that means. Oh, well. Blockchain analytics firm Arkham Intelligence noted on Twitter that wallets belonging to some of the largest multi-token holders, including HashKey Group, have shifted roughly $3 million in the last 24 hours. As questions mount, multi-chain is feeling the heavy pressure of record high daily volume as fears mount that the bridge might shut down. Although the platform still shows a high amount of total value locked, there appears to be little panic within the market, says researcher DeFi Ignis, who dug into on-chain data. Rumors about possible arrest in Shanghai yesterday prompted a 520% spike in daily bridged volume, but deposits exceeded withdrawals by $18 million, Ignis wrote, citing DeFi Llama data. <clears throat> Although some on-chain data doesn't show much outflow of capital, the multi-chain crisis has caused alarm amongst investors. Quote, it's sad but true that in mainland China, there is ongoing action against any local operating crypto projects, including infra, DeFi beyond just centralized exchanges, wallets, or mining. Davi Wan, founder of crypto investment fund Primitive Ventures, wrote on Twitter. He added, quote, any local government can go after any crypto project they deem rich or have sizable funds under custody, end quote. Vitalik Buterin, oh God, co-founder of Ethereum, has not weighed in to the current multi-chain crisis, but had words of caution in the past on relying on cross-chain bridges. He wrote in a blog post over the weekend that users should, quote, try to minimize how much you rely on bridges at all, adding that users should try to hold assets on the chain where they originate, this story is developing. Yes, of course it is. So who knows what the hell happened? But multi-chain is rather large. It's not something to be sneezed at. That's why I'm bringing it to you. And you know what? what what's the number? One point five billion dollars. That's that's a sizable chunk. All right. So we'll have to see. You know, going into the weekend, what you know, what is it going to do? Well, I guess we'll find out come Monday. Now, as I said yesterday about political people leveraging Bitcoin and what is becoming the quote-unquote crypto voting block because we're the crypto scene, love it or love or hate the word, right? That's the voting block, right? So the crypto voting block is large enough that everybody wants a piece of us or all of us. And that includes United States presidential candidate Ramaswamy 
He takes a pot shot at DeSantis's Bitcoin remark. Oh, okay. Bitcoin has suddenly found itself at the center of campaign trash talking and chestnutting ahead of the U.S. presidential election. Biotech entrepreneur turned Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy told Coindesk in an interview that he is the only candidate who understands Bitcoin deeply enough to discuss it intelligently on the presidential debate stage. His remarks came after fellow hopeful and Florida Governor Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis on Wednesday launched his own presidential campaign on Twitter amid a myriad of technical glitches and promised to protect the ability to do things like Bitcoin. I do Bitcoin. I'm doing Bitcoin. Look, mom, I'm doing Bitcoin. This is ridiculous, man. Ramaswamy says even the language DeSantis used reveals a shallow understanding of the world's dominant cryptocurrency. Quote, I understand this stuff in a much more deep and rich way. Even the way he said that, quote, do things like Bitcoin. When we think about the leader we want in the White House that needs to be that needs to be somebody who understands the why, Ramaswamy told Coindesk in an interview. Ramaswamy wrote the book, Woke Inc., Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam, which DeSantis is reported to have read. Ramaswamy says DeSantis borrowed many concepts he originated, including the importance of Bitcoin and the denouncement of central bank digital currencies. Quote, since the time I wrote Woke Inc., Ramaswamy explained, DeSantis has studied it and he has adopted many of the proposals as his own. And I think that that's a good thing. I'm not sure he has the same understanding of it that I do, but be it a central bank digital currency or Bitcoin, but that's okay. He's saying the right things, end quote. Jesus, these people make me sick. Coindesk sent an email to the DeSantis campaign asking for a response, but has not received a response as of yet. Some consider Ramaswamy a long shot in the presidential race. According to the website, 538, Ramaswamy is polling at 3.5% among declared or presumed Republican candidates for the race. Behind Donald Trump's 54%, DeSantis's 21%, and former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence at 5.1%. Jesus, he's not polling well at all. He is certainly not the first politician to take up the cause of Bitcoin or other digital assets. Robert Kennedy Jr. delivered a keynote speech at the Bitcoin 2023 conference. Quote, I'm an ardent defender and a lifelong defender of civil liberties, and Bitcoin is both an exercise and a guarantee of those freedoms, he said. But Ramaswamy, who also spoke at the same conference, might be the only pro-Bitcoin candidate who claims a sophisticated understanding of the cryptocurrency. Conversely, former U.S. President Donald Trump once referred to Bitcoin as a scam, according to a story by the British Broadcasting Corporation. It's not clear if he will maintain that stance during his run for re-election. Ramaswamy says he's pro-Bitcoin because he views it as a decentralized alternative to the United States dollar, augmenting the country's financial infrastructure by holding the existing, existing system's feet to the fire. Quote, competition breeds strength. I view it as a source of competition to the existing system, said Ramaswamy. He says Bitcoin antagonists like U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren are blinded by their quest for power, dominion, control, and punishment. 
Warren's team did not immediately reply to a request for comment. Quote, even some more intelligent minds lose the ability to think with clarity when it comes to their natural guttural tendencies to seize power as much as possible. Many of them may think they're starting with good intentions and think they're protecting people by doing so, but in fact, they end up harming the very people they purport to protect, Ramaswamy said, and I agree. He says if he became president, he would slash headcount at the Federal Reserve by 90%, and that he would be open to overhauling the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, especially given what he described as its vague enforcement discretion, quote, a lot of our existing securities regulation apparatus is outdated and broken. We can actually learn from allowing units of measurement like Bitcoin to roam free of SEC regulation. The administrative state in its entirety needs to be reformed. And again, I agree with what Ramaswamy said. The 37-year-old former high school valedictorian. What? Why do I care if he was a high school valedictorian? Jesus Christ, this 37-year-old former high school valedictorian and summa cum laude Harvard biology graduate says he first came across Bitcoin while at Yale Law School. When I was in law school, I had a full-time job as a hedge fund manager too, so I was entrenched in financial markets. Then I heard this completely parallel system under the mantra code is law. That's when it caught my attention. I'm pausing to call absolute bullshit. You do not go to Yale Law School as a full-time law school student and have a full-time job as a hedge fund manager. Bullshit. That's a lie. If even if he can prove it, say, well, here's my pay stub. Okay. So, okay. So basically they paid you to study for law school at the hedge fund because if you didn't study for Yale Law School, like literally 17 hours a day, you didn't get out of Yale Law School. This dude did, no, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I watched my sister go through Texas Tech Law School. This is bullshit. I watched one of my best friends who's no longer with us. He went through law school. This is bullshit. Ramaswamy is lying to you. He's not a full-time fucking hedge fund manager while he's going to Yale Law School. This is bullshit. The code is law principle is popular in the crypto community and considers actions triggered by computer code just and fair, despite being potentially controversial. The most popular instance of this is the 2016 Ethereum DAO hack. Ramaswamy, who has a reported net worth of around, you know, $630 million, eventually bought some Bitcoin, but for the sake of best practice during his campaign, no longer self-manages his personal portfolio and can't confirm that he still holds any. Dude, bullshit. During a speech at the Bitcoin 2023 conference, he claimed to be the first Republican candidate in the current election cycle to accept Bitcoin donations and the first ever to do so over the Lightning Network, a Bitcoin scaling solution for cheaper and faster transactions. We're accepting donations via the Lightning Network, Ramaswamy said. I will elevate these issues that we just talked about to the center of the Republican debates in the primaries, end quote. Okay, no. It got even worse. I was going to say, if have some remarks about this story, but then when I got to the law school thing, I kind of got off track because it's bullshit. It just is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are. You're not a full-time 
hedge fund manager and a full-time Yale Law School student? No. No, not unless, not unless you got special dispensation. And I don't know if it's a three-year program or a four-year law school program at Yale. I don't know that. But it's either one of the two in the United States. You're either a three-year or you're a four-year. That's it. Even if he was a four-year, even if he somehow or another got special dispensation to do his law degree over a series of six years, which is almost impossible possible to get that kind of dispensation because the training of a law school student requires you to balls to the wall. It's, you don't get to take like summer school in law school because, well, actually you do take summer school in law school because it's the only way that you can get through the whole fucking thing. And that's part of the goddamn program, but it's not like making up a class or taking, well, you know, instead of a full load this semester, I think I'll take half and then I'll just add another semester instead of graduating 2022, I'll graduate 2023. No, that doesn't happen in law school. It, no, 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 no. And this brings back my original comments that I was thinking about making. First, I don't need, actually, I don't need a president at all, but let's say I give a shit. Let's say I'm going to go vote. Let's say I actually fucking care about the clown show. What I don't need is a president who understands Bitcoin that deeply. What I need is a president who understands the constitution deeply. That's who I want. I don't give a shit if, if, Trump or DeSantis or Ramaswamy or Biden, even though he can, can't even find the bathroom. I don't want them knowing that much about this particular thing. I want them knowing as much as they possibly can about the Constitution of the United States, how the system actually works, and to actually give a shit about the citizenry. And telling me that you know more about Bitcoin than any other presidential candidate puts you basically at the forefront of who should be president is bullshit. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be anywhere fucking close to that thing. Nowhere close. Not because Bitcoin is bad. If you're listening to the show, you know why I do this show. It's because that's not your job. You, you can have advisors. You can say, well, I don't know. I know enough about it to understand that this supports the constitutional ideals of the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution itself. That's what I want to hear. And that you've hired a guy who knows all about that shit. That you've hired Lewis, you know, Parker Lewis as your advisor on Bitcoin. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that you know shit about steel milling in fucking Pennsylvania and that makes you better candidate for president than Trump. I don't care. Do you know how the Constitution works? That's what I want. Now, the second point. We're being leveraged by people who do not give a shit about Bitcoin. They don't give a shit about freedom. They don't care about you, your wealth, your extended wealth, your wealth that you project into the future for your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They don't give a living flying fuck about any of it. And if you think that they do, you're lying to yourself and you should be ashamed. None of these people matter. It's written when I put up the show every single day for the past well over a year, since SoundCloud, which is the people that host this, this podcast, right? They've given me a box that says, if the podcast uh, app that is, that is playing the RSS feed has the feature, it will scroll this message across the bottom 
or wherever it is that they scroll messages. And all I put is the same message every day. Only Bitcoin matters. This presidential election is already a shit show. And if we allow ourselves to be dragged into it, it's just going to be an even bigger shit show. I don't want, I would rather Bitcoin be completely out of this. And yet it's that important even to these assholes because they know that their polling is going to depend on who? Me and you. Do you want to give over your energy to these assholes? I highly recommend that you don't. I, I don't. I just, I, I, just eye-watering listening to Ramaswamy talk. Especially the bold-faced lie about law school and full-time hedge fund manager. That right there should disqualify his ass. Somebody should totally look into that and say, I don't see how you did this. There's only 24 hours in a day. Law school students notoriously do 17 hours a day. Unless he graduated bottom of his class, but he didn't because he graduated summa cum laude. Of course, that was with biology. I don't know what he graduated with with his law degree, but it's all bullshit. Anyway, sorry. Exhausted all options? Unbanked to close after being left hanging by an investor. Oh, poor unbanked. Tom Mitchell Hill is writing for Cointelegraph. <clears throat> Crypto fintech firm Unbanked which provides crypto custody services and payment services, has become the latest firm to close shop while citing a harsh regulatory environment for crypto in the United States. In the blog post, Unbanked co-founders Ian Kane and Daniel, Daniel Gouldman said that when it first opened, it believed that building the company in the United States would be the smart long-term play, though that didn't turn out to be the case five years later. Quote, while other crypto companies grew rapidly offshore by avoiding strict regulation, we believe that engaging with regulators and following their arduous processes would ultimately position unbanked to come out ahead, said the execs. Quote, <clears throat> to state it bluntly, United States regulators are actively trying to stop companies from supporting crypto assets, even when the companies are trying to do it correctly and by the book, end quote. Unbank's decision to wind down operations comes despite the firm's inking major deals with other companies in recent months, including a partnership with payments giant MasterCard. The co-founder said the firm had been expecting $5 million in, in a funding injection, but that still hasn't materialized. Kane and Gouldman said that they believe this is a result of the regulatory climate for crypto in the United States, which ultimately limited Unbank's ability to raise capital and run a self-sustaining business. Quote, three weeks ago, Unbanked signed a term sheet for an investment of $5 million at a $20 million valuation that would allow us to not only continue operations, but to expand. We have not received those funds as of this moment. The firm has urged its clients to begin the withdrawal of all funds as soon as possible. Unbanked hasn't been alone in its plight. And then they talk about bottle pay that we talked about earlier today. And of course, you know about collapse of FTX and all the other stuff like DCG shuttering its, its trade, one of its trading floors. I was a trade block or whatever it was that we read at the first part of the show. This is like the houses that look like they might've survived the hurricane. This is when they start just falling over all by themselves. That that's, that's sort of where we're at in this storm. But really, DCG and all of its um, umbrella companies, that's the last one to fall. 
That's that's it. When DCG finally burns down, then and only then can we breathe our first true sigh of relief. Because we're still not out of the woods yet. Bankrupt lending platform Celsius agrees to a purchase bid by Fahrenheit. I wonder if that will actually happen. BTC Casey and Bitcoin Magazine. Bankrupt lending platform Celsius Network has announced that it has selected a proposal by Fahrenheit as the winning bid to lead the company out of bankruptcy, according to a report by Reuters. Celsius, which filed for Chapter 11 protection in July, sought a buyer to manage its cryptocurrency lending and Bitcoin mining businesses. The chosen consortium, Fahrenheit, includes Aragon, or sorry, Arrington Capital, a blockchain-based capital venture firm. In addition to the consortium requi- acquiring the company, a new board of directors, primarily appointed by creditors, will oversee the new company formed as a result of the purchase. Celsius also revealed that it has secured a backup bid from the Blockchain Recovery Investment Consortium, or BRIC, a holding company affiliated with the Winklevi and their Gemini Trust, owned by the Winklevi, ensuring an alternative option in case the deal with Fahrenheit falls through. Oh, they got a backup plan. That's actually smart. I don't see very much uh, intelligence in this space very often, but as much as I don't like Celsius, you better have a backup plan. According to Celsius, Fahrenheit will provide the necessary capital, management expertise, and technology to navigate the bankruptcy. The consortium's selection indicates a potential positive outcome for Celsius and its creditors, allowing the company to move forward under new management and ownership. Yay, we're all, uh, yay, yay. Now, ending it off with OpenAI as they launch a grant for AI Democratic Governance Project. Oh boy, Savannah Fortis, Cointelegraph. Yay, OpenAI, the parent company of the artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT, has launched an initiative to bring more democratic input to AI development. In the official announcement yesterday, the company said it is preparing to award 10 grants worth $100,000 each toward experiments in setting up a proof-of-concept democratic process for determining rules for AI systems to follow. According to OpenAI, the rules should be within the boundaries defined by the law and should benefit humanity. Okay, quote, this grant represents a step to establish democratic processes for overseeing AGI and ultimately super intelligence. Oh God, Jesus. The company said that the experiments will be the basis for a more global and ambitious project in the future. It also noted that conclusions from the experiments would not be binding, but used to explore important questions surrounding AI governance. The grant is provided by the nonprofit arm of OpenAI. It's said that the project results will be free and accessible to the public. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to read the rest of it. This is Sam Altman. I need to make sure everybody realizes ChatGPT, which is formulated from OpenAI, the company, is Sam Altman. The very same Sam Altman that holds the orb up to your face and scans your freaking eyeball. You don't want to have anything to do with this. You need to learn chat GPT though. I'm sorry. I mean, as much as I hate Sam Altman and I think this entire thing is evil, I'm going to learn the weaponry of the evil one. All right. I'm going to learn how it works. I'm going to learn how to pull the screws out of it and put it back together again. I'm going to do whatever it is that I can not to be steamrolled by this son of a bitch coming down the highway. And good news, 
OpenAI ain't the only AI consortium out there. There's a lot of open source AI going on. So at least we got that going for us. But this, I saw something yesterday where he, Sam Altman and one of his other, I don't know, ilk was on stage and asked, and somebody, I think Sam Altman asked a question to a group of students that they were talking to um, in this meeting or whatever it was. And he said, how many here by a show of hands would like OpenAI to release ChatGPT5 and of in any of our newest innovations as they become available for free to the public and everybody in the room raise their hands. His ilk, the other guy that he brought with him, and I don't know, maybe it was the CFO, CTO, or one of the other chiefs over there at OpenAI said, laughed, and then he said, well, we won't be doing that. But the answer is very interesting. That we're going to examine the answers. We're not going to actually do it. You know, we, we're, we're going to waste your time by asking you a question and having you use your neural energy to do shit like think and provide an answer and then raise your hand and move your muscles around. But no, we're not actually going to do anything with it. That's the same thing here. They're going to ask for all this input. They're not going to do anything with it. This, these guys are data mongers. Okay. That they want it's almost as if it's a part of their personality now. They just will ask questions, tell you they're not going to do anything with the answers, but that they're going to examine your answers. It's sick. <laughs> it's freaking sick. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, going to send you off into the weekend with crass and dirty toilet humor that can be from Dad Says Jokes. Is butt cheeks one word or should I spread them apart? Yeah, the, that reminds me of Ethereum, the mother asshole from which all shit coinery is born. Okay, what have we learned today? Don't trust the politicians. They will tell you anything you want to hear. All that they're exactly like Sam Altman. They ask questions that they don't do anything with because the only thing they care about when it comes to the answers to those questions is who represents the most votes. And right now, they're looking at Bitcoin and the crypto crypto community, love it or hate the term, uh, as a as a major voting block. Again, you got Ramaswamy, you got Ron DeSantis, and you've got Robert Kennedy. And Kennedy's on the Democrat side, everybody else is on the Republican side, but they're all vying for the Bitcoin vote. The only person that hasn't stepped in to say rah, rah, Bitcoin is Trump. I don't think he will. I, don't, I, I honestly don't think he will. And he's going to lose polling points because of it. And I think he won't because the, I get the feeling that the people backing him are the very people that he keeps saying that he's going to clean out of Congress and clean out of the Fed and clean out of the swamp and all that kind of shit. I don't trust him. I don't trust DeSantis. I don't trust Kennedy. And I sure as shit don't trust Ramaswamy. Fuck that guy. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it one more time in case it didn't get to you. No one can be anywhere close to a functional, full-time hedge fund manager while they're going to Yale Law School. 
He's lying about one of them, okay? If he has a law degree from Yale Law School, then he's lying about being a full-time hedge fund manager. He was, there's no way he could have been full-time. There's no way that he could have even been partial-time. Because if you're going to Yale Law School, the amount of energy you're expending means that you're pulling it away from your customers who are the very people that you have a fiduciary commitment, a responsibility to make sure they don't lose money. And if you're not keeping your eyes on the ball 24-7 as a hedge fund manager, you're going to lose the money. He's lying about either one of those things. Not both. He's lying about one of them. I don't think he was a head, full-time hedge fund manager. That's, that's my guess. But it doesn't really matter. All these people lie. They're lying to you. They want your vote. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Try to detach yourself from all this crap. Try to un- unentangle yourself from all these things. You do that, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.